0: Okay, let's, uh, let's open our Bibles again to Titus chapter 2. And I just really got started the message this morning. I had some more to say, <laughs> so I wanted to take that up again tonight. Titus chapter 2, we would like to begin reading with verse 1. Speak thy the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men... Notice he doesn't call them old men. Aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, and to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be (coughs) condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denied ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise Thee. Let us pray. Father, we bow to thank You for Your Word, another opportunity that You have given that we might stand before the people of God Lord, I realize what a tremendous responsibility this is tonight, and I ask, O oh God, for divine help. I pray that you would strengthen my body, O oh God. I pray for uh, the power of the Holy Spirit. You give me wisdom and, and uh, the power to deliver the message in a way that you'll be honored. Oh God, I pray you get the glory out of all that's said here tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, we'd like to continue talking about Growing Old Gracefully. And uh, this morning uh, we know that uh, in order to grow old gracefully that you need to have grace. And the only way to get grace is from the Lord. And so a person needs to be saved while they're young. According to the book of Ecclesiastes 12, we looked at that. And uh, the privilege we have as a child of God, Hebrews 4:16. let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And what a great and glorious promise, but that is only available to those that are saved. And then uh, another thing, a person needs to be sound in faith, as verse 2 talks about the aged men, to be sound uh, in faith. Well, the only way that's possible is uh, through the Word of God. In In Romans 10, 17, the Bible said, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, you know, I think a person needs to spend time in the Word of God. I was reading about this elderly lady uh, who uh, got Alzheimer's in, uh, in her latter years. And uh, at one time, she had committed a, uh, a lot of Scripture to memory, spent a lot of time in the Scripture. But her mind failed her. And she could only remember uh, one verse in Timothy where it said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And then finally, she only remembered one word of the verse, him. And she'd just say him, him, him. <laughs> well, uh, you, that's the subject uh, that's the subject of the Bible. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. I, uh, I visit some folks in the nursing home, and, and uh, there's a lady I visit up in the Bryan center up in Spruce Pine, and, and uh, her mind is fell on her every time I go. Her mind's uh, a little worse. And, and, uh, but you know, she never, uh, way anyway, as of yet, she hadn't forgotten the Lord. And uh, she knows about the Lord. You talk to her about the Lord, and her mind's clear on that. And so uh, we need to be sound in faith, and the best remedy I know about uh, for old age is is the Word of God. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter five, Hebrews chapter five, and uh, uh, verse uh, verse eleven. And he said, "Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing, for when." For the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, uh, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil." And so here is, uh, is some rebuke uh, uh, those evidently that had not uh, spent the time they, uh, they should have in the Word of God. He said you ought to be at this point in your Christian experience you ought to be able to instruct and teach others but instead of that you still need someone to teach you. And certainly as we Uh, get older, and as we grow older in Christ, uh, we ought to have spent enough time in the Word of God that we're able to use the Word of God to minister to others. In fact, that's one of the main purposes of coming to church is that we receive instruction and then we take what we received and share it with someone else. And I think that's uh, God's desire in our life. Not that we just hear and hear and hear and hear and never never dispense any, but uh, that we uh, take take that to be a blessing to others. Now, uh, in verse uh, in verse two, he talks about the aged men. In verse three, uh, he talks about the aged women, and then in verse four, that they may teach the young women to be sober, and to love their husbands, to love their children, and so forth. So he gives the, the requirements uh, that God uh, establishes uh, upon women and, uh, and then the, the purpose is that they may instruct the younger women. And I think likewise that the aged men might be able to instruct the, the younger men. And, uh, you know, we can learn a lot from uh, those that have traveled the path before us. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, Things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And so, uh, you know, a person needs to be sound in the faith and spend time in the Word of God, time in reading and time in study, uh, so that that Word of God will be a companion as we grow older. And so we can be a help to those that are following along now sometimes young people don't want to listen, but then that's their fault uh, Rehoboam was such a, a young man he of course went followed his father Solomon to the throne and and uh, he had a situation that confronted him not long after uh, he was uh, to take the throne there uh, they they come to him and and uh, they say you know you're uh, your daddy is kind of tough on us. We think you ought, to, you ought to make the load a little lighter, and if you'll do that, we'll, we'll uh, support you, and we'll be with you. And uh, Rehoboam went to the old man, the Bible says, and he uh, uh, talked to them about this decision, and they advised him. They said, now, the thing to do is to lighten things up, and they'll follow you, and you will have, you will have the kingdom. Uh, then he went to his buddies that he grew up with and uh, he talked to them about it. And they said, why, uh, them old fellows, they don't know nothing. I'm, uh, of course, giving, but re- it doesn't say that exactly. I'm, I'm just uh, giving you my, what I think probably happened. But anyway, you can read it there for yourself in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 10. And, uh, 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 I believe that's 2 Chronicles. I'm trying to remember if it's first or second. second. 2 Chronicles chapter 10. And uh, he went to these the young men. They said, why don't listen to them fellows. Tell them you're going you're gonna to make it hard. You think my daddy's tough on you. You ain't seen nothing. You wait till, you know. And uh, so he went back to them. And he took the advice of these fellows, his buddies. And he paid a tremendous price for it. God judged him and uh, uh, he, lost, uh, he lost the majority of his kingdom. Of course, this all was of the Lord, and, and the Bible says. But uh, the two tribes followed him, and he lost the ten tribes. His, his nation was divided and split because he thought he knew more, uh, no more than them old fellows. And sometimes young people, they think they know more than Dad, and they know more than Grandpa. Uh, but uh, uh, just remember this. You know, the old folks, they... Uh, they've been your age before, but you've never been their age. And, uh, you know, experience is a hard teacher, isn't it? Uh, you know, I've had to learn that way. Uh, sad to say. I made, I've made some foolish decisions in my life, and, and uh, I guess we all have. But anyway, a person needs to be sound in faith. Now we may may make some bad mistakes as far as this world's concerned, but we should be real careful we don't make a mistake as far as the things of God are concerned. That we we build our foundation on the Word of God and establish establish that foundation secure on the Word of God. In Leviticus 19, 32, Thy shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God I am the Lord, and I think young people need to be taught that respect. You know, I observe, I observe people today, and I see very little respect. What uh, what went with the respect and honor that children were taught years ago? That uh, that they respected their elders, and and the Bible said here, you're to rise up if an old uh, old man such as I. <laughs> uh, we have, uh, uh, rise up before the, the gray-headed man. I mean, uh, it, it, it was a sign of respect and honor that was given to those uh, of, uh, of age. And you know, I think the Chinese probably uh, put us to shame, although they're in uh, a lot of, most of them I guess are in unbelief and in false religion, but they have great respect and honor far of their elders and I think we need to instill that in young people and so uh, a person needs to be sound in the faith and all of that uh, a person needs a separated life and we see that in verse 2 the aged men be sober uh, that means sober has to do with sober mind clear thinking uh, to be grave to be serious to be temperate uh, to be sound in faith and in charity and in patience And we find here that, uh, uh, you know, separation. He goes on down in verse 12 and he said, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly we shall live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Now, to be sober-minded, you know, it's not just certainly a person ought to refrain from any kind of drugs or alcohol and, and that sort of thing. But I'll tell you, there's a whole lot of things can poison your mind besides that. And there's a lot of stuff on TV that can really, uh, you know, keep a person from being sober-minded. That you cannot have pure thoughts. There are pictures and, and that men cannot look at and keep their mind clean. And so a man needs to, uh, to avoid those sort of things and avoid anything that pollutes our mind and causes us uh, to think in, in the wrong way. Uh, you know, the Bible said, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. How was it? The Bible said that every imagination of the thoughts of men's heart was evil continually. And you know why their thoughts were evil? Because they fed on filth and pollution. And when you feed that in, whatever you put in, that's what you're going to get out. Uh, you know, we have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind and what you uh, look at and, and hear, listen to, and, and, and see and observe and all this uh, throughout the day, uh, that's what will fill your subconscious mind. And when you're sitting around just thinking, that's the kind of thoughts you will have. You know, when you're just sitting around thinking, I mean, you're not doing anything, uh, or maybe you're doing your job, and uh, the job doesn't require continuous thought, but you just, some people, their job, they've done it so much, and they just do it, you know, they don't have to even think about doing it. It's just kind of automatic, kind of like driving a car. And uh, they, they just do it. And maybe their thoughts are on other things. Now, what are your thoughts on during those times? What fills your mind? What kind of thoughts do you have? The kind of thoughts you have are a result of what you've been putting in there. What you've been feeding on and looking at and all these things, that begins to form us into the kind of person we are. And the Bible says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And as a man grows old, you know, uh, our thoughts ought to be pure. I, I've referred to my grandmother who lived to be in her 90s and was a very godly person. And I don't think I ever knew anyone that uh, uh, that uh, her whole life revolved around the things of God. She lived for the Lord. She lived for the things of God. The Bible and church and and uh, the things of God were central in her life. And I've told you about the... Uh, she spent the night with this couple and, and uh, they heard her during the night and they thought there was something wrong, you know, and they checked her and, and they said she was praying. She was asleep, uh, but she was praying kind of subconsciously. You know why... Why that is true? Because her life, her day was filled with the things of God. I would like to be like that when I get old. You know, if I ever do. (laughs) But uh, uh, to live a separated life. To live a life that you can look back on and say, Thank God, I live for God. I have no regrets. I live my life clean and, and separated from the world. You know, the problem, many of the, the mental problems that people have are a result of, of sin uh, committed maybe early days of their life. They committed some terrible things and they've never been able to wipe that from their memory. God help us to live a life that as we grow older uh, we'll not be ashamed. Now the Bible said in verse 7, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. And he's speaking here of the young man, but certainly it applies, I think, to everybody. A pattern, and I think especially to older people, to set a pattern. Oh, uh, Brother Payne's talked to the adult two class before that, that we as older people uh, ought to be setting an example and setting a pattern for others to follow, and the young people to look at and pattern their life after and say, live as I live. It'll pay off for you. And that's the kind of life God wants us to live. Sometimes we criticize young people, and we talk about the the society today and all the problems. uh, You you, you know what's wrong? They don't have a pattern to follow. They don't have no one to show them the way out of the darkness. God, give us some people, some parents that are separated unto the Lord, and have some standards, and say, "Here I stand. I don't compromise these." You know, a lot of our convictions are rid really of preferences. I heard David Gibbs preach years ago on conviction or preference. A conviction is something you don't change. It's something you die for. But anything else is a preference. And that's come up in court. You know, people say, I have a conviction. They uh, what it, what, it, what happened, you know, they, uh, you know, schools and more so, and of course it's happening for many other reasons, but in those days uh, you know, churches uh, starting Christian schools and they were throwing the preachers in jail and everything else, throwing parents in jail and taking kids away from the families and, and uh, uh, they got on the stand, they said, is this a conviction? And some of them, they really tore their, their, their faith down and and uh, they found out that they didn't really have convictions. The Constitution, the Constitution protects a conviction, but not a preference. Now we better have some convictions. That's what, that's what made this country. That's what this country is built on, with people that had convictions. And says we'll die for it. No amount of pressure will make us change. Now conviction ought to be based in the Word of God. It ought to have a foundation in the Word of God. Otherwise, we have preferences, and those may differ, and we'll respect those. But uh, a separated life, then not only that, but we ought to be a soul winner. Brother Bill was talking about a friend of his. The, uh, I mentioned was having the soul winning clinics out of Bob Gray. and They have another pastor there now, church in Jacksonville, Florida, and he was out at Sugar Hill and. And uh, uh, he said, I, I've, I've never seen any, anyone uh, that, uh, that was more interested in souls and made a greater effort to win people to Christ than that man. He's president, I think, of the Gideons in Florida. And, I mean, he talks to everybody he meets about the Lord. Now, wonder what would happen if we all done that. I mean, everybody, everywhere he goes, he talks to people about the Lord. And, you know, I think the... The best thing for old age is just, you know, just be a soul winner. Uh, just spend. Some people think, well, when they retire, they just sit around and do nothing. That's the best way I know to die. <laughs> just quit. Don't do nothing. You don't last long. You know, God did not tell us anywhere in the Bible, just sit down and quit and do nothing. Uh, we need to be active. We need to be doing something. And the best thing in the world is, uh, is to be involved in this business, trying to win people to Christ. I want you to turn to Psalm, Psalm 71, please. Psalm 71. And uh, verse 17 and 18. Psalm 71. Verse 17 and 18. Page 633. Psalm 71. Verse 17. O God, Thou hast taught me for my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. What a request that the psalmist here makes of the Lord. He said, God, you've taught me from a youth. And he said, when I'm old and gray-headed, Lord, I, I want to tell everybody. That's basically what he's saying. Uh, he said, don't forsake me until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and not only this generation, but those that are to come. I want to, I want to tell everybody about you. God, don't forsake me. I think what he's saying, you know, don't let me become bed fast until I can't, can't uh, go and tell people about you. Lord, when I get old and gray-headed, I want to keep on winning people to Christ. And we should never retire. We should just refire, fire uh, you know, and uh, to stay active. You know, God made us to work, didn't He? God made us to be active. God made the body, and I think people are beginning to understand that, that it's the reason exercise is such a big business is if you just lay around and sit around, you're going to have all kinds of problems—physical problems and uh, mental problems. God wants us to be active and to stay active. And uh, I pray God will let me do that until, until He takes me home. That He'll keep me active and I can keep my mind and and uh, tell people about the Lord. Turn over to Psalm 72. And uh, uh, verse uh, verse twelve, Psalm. What did I say, ninety two, Psalm ninety two, and uh, verse twelve, Psalm ninety two, page six forty five, Psalm ninety two, and verse twelve. And he said, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree; he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. What a blessed promise. God gives year to the righteous, those that are planted in the house of God. He said, They bring forth fruit in old age. You know, you take an apple tree and you keep it pruned and keep it sprayed and keep it fertilized. And I mean, you can get fruit on it for, for a long time. But you just plant it out there and you don't do anything to it. And I'll tell you, it won't be long till the worms or the disease or something will, be, will have it and the fruit you get off of it won't be worth anything what's on it. You have to, you have to look after it. And so the Bible promises that, you know, if we'll follow Him and serve Him and obey Him as His people, then He said they'll bear fruit in old age. And that ought to be our desire is to try to win people to God as long as God gives us breath to try to tell someone about the Lord. And everybody needs to hear. Uh, And you know, there, uh, if you've ever done any witnessing, there's a, uh, there's a hunger in, in every man's heart for God. Pray pray for the man that was here this morning, knows he's lost. And Brother Jerry's visiting visited with him Thursday night and, and uh, uh, asked if he was saved. He said no. He's talking about, you know, it's refreshing to find someone that uh, knows they're lost and will admit it. <laughs> it's the most wonderful thing in all the world. The next thing to getting saved yourself, you know, getting saved twice. (laughs) Getting someone else saved is wonderful. And God says you can produce fruit in your old age. If you'll try, if you'll work at it. And one preacher says, you know, we we walk over dozens of sinners trying to find someone lost. I mean, sinners everywhere. And uh, we ought to be witnessing for Christ. Grow old gracefully, I think, is stay involved in the work of God. Stay involved in this business, try and keep people out of hell. That's, uh, that's the way to grow old gracefully and keep your eyes on the Lord. Some people, they get old and they, you know, you can't get along with them and, and uh, they're soured on the world and and. uh uh, they have, uh, have an awful attitude. But, uh, you know, if you keep your eyes on the Lord and stay in the Word of God and keep your eyes on the goal of trying to win people to Christ, that's a good cure for it, isn't it? Good cure for that kind of attitude. Then uh, a final thing, and that is uh, we need to keep our eyes on the second coming. Verse 13 said, Looking for that, that blessed hope, and the glorious appearance of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Does the prospect of the coming of the Lord excite you? You know, back in the 70s, I think there was a, really a, uh, a, a greater interest in the coming of the Lord than there is even today. I think people were excited about the prospect of the coming of the Lord. But I think we've kind of gotten used to it. We've kind of gotten used to the message. Well, yeah, Jesus is coming one of these days. And, uh, but uh, as far as our daily life, we, I, I doubt that we spend very little time thinking about uh, the fact that he could come today. And yet I believe that surely, surely to God, uh, his coming has to be closed. I mean, this is 1994. We are almost 2,000 years. And I just knew the Lord had come last year. He did not come. He's bound to come this year for sure. you think so? Now that's how we, all, and we ought, and we ought to expect it. You know, we ought to live our life really thinking that he's coming. Looking for it, he said, that blessed hope. And listen, he wrote that 1,900 years ago or more. He told them, he says, keep your eyes on the coming of the Lord. Man, that's the best cure I know. Uh, you know, I don't care how down I get when I t- think that the Lord could come. Uh, that's the best medicine I've ever thought I've ever, you know, had. And uh, and it, it, it's an exciting thought. You're a man, I'm 50, you know. My mother died at 60. My sister's 58 and has terminal cancer. You know, I don't know how much longer I've got. I may not have very long. But if I die to my mother's age, I, you know, when you look at it in that prospect, man, that's not long. And you look at life and you think about it and say, I'll be leaving here for long. But you know the Lord may come. And I don't think there's anything in death to worry about if you're saved. but I'd rather go on the rapture (laughs) on you. I'd rather go that way, to be changed in the moment, to get a glorified body, and to go to be with the Lord. And I think this generation has a very good chance of that happening. And we ought to to live in expectation. I don't think I'll be really overly concerned about, uh, uh, you know, about uh, all that might uh, be out there in the future for us. The Lord could very well take us out of it tonight. <laughs> Man, that's a cure for old age, isn't it? I mean, tonight we could go home, get out of it all, all the problems, all the, all the sickness and all the trouble and all that might befall us will never have any more effect upon us. That's the hope. The blessed hope, the Bible said, and the, uh, of the, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to turn to Psalm 39 and share that with you. Psalm 39. Some great words of wisdom here in Psalm 39, page 617. Psalm 39 and verse 4 and 5. Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as in handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. See law, which means to really think about this. Oh, what a statement, thou hast made my days as in hand breath. That's not long, is it? You know how long our life is? Width of my hand, or if I stretch my hand out to about nine inches. That's how long it is in comparison to eternity. If you can look at the universe, and they say the stars are so far off that uh, the light that you see from that star left that star thousands of years ago. They're so far out there. Light traveling uh, 186,000 miles a second figure how far that would go in a year, and their stars are so far off, it takes millions of years for the light to get to the earth. That's how far they are. God says that your life, you put your hand up in that distance, that space of the universe, and that's how long your life is here in comparison. That's an awesome thought, isn't it? I can't comprehend... Living with God forever, having a glorified body and living forever. I can't comprehend that. How can one begin to comprehend being in a fire where the worm dieth, not and the fire is not quenched, and being in that fire forever and ever and ever and ever, with no end, ever, any time in the future? Millions and millions and millions of years still burning, still screaming, still in agony. And that's exactly where the masses of mankind's headed. Now, if that don't awaken us and give us a concern for our loved ones, I don't know what under heaven would do it. What's it going to take to wake us up? Help me to know Mine end, measure of my days, how frail I am. And I've said many times before, my life has passed so quickly up to this point, it's hard for me to comprehend where it went. When I look back on it, it just seems like no time. The Bible says we spend our days as a tale that is told. And you know, when you die, your whole life will be summarized in a a few sentences about like so. When you died, how old you were, who you left behind, wife or children, grandchildren or whatever. And that'll be the summary of your life. And in a few years, most people will forget you were ever here. Even famous people. You go to an encyclopedia and you have just a column of some of the most famous people that ever lived. Just a few sentences or maybe two or three paragraphs of their whole life. Spend their years. It's a tale that is told. And if a man don't get right with God and live his life for God and make something count for eternity, what's the point of it? Really. there is no purpose there's no point in even living God help us to get the message out let's bow our heads please